Welcome to the Speech Digest with Chris Campbell. As regular listeners to the show will know, we usually release our episodes on Fridays to wrap up the week. However, last Friday, given the events that were going on back in the U.S., it didn't feel like a good day to release the show. So, before we get into it this week, I want you to note that we'll be bringing you an extra episode of Disputes Digest at the end of this week, instead of Tales of the Tribunal, which will return next week. All right? And before we jump into it this week, don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the International Disputes Resolution. All right, we've got several stories to bring to you this week. First, we'll talk about Spain celebrating its win in the intra-EU objection that took place last week. Then, we'll take a look at the new plan language arbitration rules in Ireland. From there, we'll also talk about how the Indian government is combating its backlog of arbitrators' appointments before the Indian Supreme Court. And finally, we'll end the week with a new segment called ADR Nugget, which is a bite-sized piece covering fundamentals of international arbitration. As usual, before we get into stories for today, if you haven't already, take a moment and share the show with a friend or colleague. And if you've got any feedback for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. And you already know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps others find the show. All right, let's start this week with the radical development and landmark win for Spain as a Stockholm seated arbitration tribunal became the first to dismiss an intra-EU investment arbitration claim on jurisdictional grounds, upholding Spain's argument that EU law trumped the Energy Charter Treaty in the dispute. To elaborate, the tribunal held the relevance of the European Court of Justice's jurisprudence to the arbitration, which was brought by two Janus Renewable Energy investors over Spain's rollback of regulatory policies designed to encourage investment in this sector. The decision of the tribunal confirmed that the Acamilla judgment applied to ECT disputes and erased doubts which were dispelled by the European Court of Justice's ruling last year in the Comstroy case on its applicability. The dispute at hand is one of over 50 investment treaty claims Spain has faced from renewable energy investors over its regulatory changes in the wake of the 2008 global financial crisis. Green Power and SCE, which had brought interests in a number of Spanish solar power farms, filed their claim in 2016 seeking around some 74 million euro in damages. The hearing commenced in Stockholm in 2019, wherein the proceeding was bifurcated at the suggestion of the tribunal following the 2018 judgment in Acamea, in which the ECJ had ruled that the intra-EU bilateral investment treaty disputes are barred under EU law. Now, in the award, the tribunal dismissed Spain's objection that the arbitration brought by the Danish investors was not a dispute between a contracting party of the ECT and an investor of a contracting party, as required by the dispute resolution mechanism in Article 26 of the treaty. The fact that the EU itself is a contracting party to the ECT and that Denmark and Spain are EU member states does not affect the reality that the countries are contracting parties in their own right, according to the tribunal. While many may feel that the judgment may have left some doubts regarding the differences between intra-EU disputes brought under BITs and the ECT, the tribunal said these no longer existed post-Comstroy. Now, Acamea could be regarded as decisive in the analysis of intra-EU investment disputes. Gordon Nardell, QC of 20 Essex in London, says that the views and issues dealt with in the award are exceptional agreement. He further commented that it's 
too early to describe this as a turning point, but it's certainly a point of inflection in this complex story. Claimants and funders will now be reevaluating their assumption that in investment arbitration, the tribunal will hand them a win on jurisdiction. This is certainly going to be a developing story with many more threads and developments, and we'll bring you them as they come across. Next, let's head to another part of the European Union, and in particular, Ireland, where the Irish branch of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators has an agreement on a new set of rules that reached last that it reached last year and is intended to comply with the agreements of legislation both in the Republic of Ireland under the Arbitration Act of 2010 and Northern Ireland under the Arbitration Act of 1996. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Chartered Institute is a leading international body dedicated to ADR and providing a one-stop shop to assist parties in the resolution of disputes. And periodically, it updates its rules on changes in the market and to align with industry best practices. In this case, the current updates are in response to uncertainties and difficulties with enforcement of court judgments between jurisdictions due to, well, Brexit. Here are some of the key features. They are drafted in plain English rather than so-called legalese or legal speak and are designed to try and ensure understanding by the parties familiar with arbitration and newcomers alike. They also provide legal certainty in both jurisdictions, affording parties clarity on what they can expect from the arbitration process on both sides of the Irish border. And they were developed to be in agreements not only with the relevant Arbitration Act, but also with the Uncentral Model Law on Arbitration. The goal of the new rules is to enhance the appeal and unique position that Ireland has as a seat for international arbitrations and faces as it is the only remaining English-speaking, fully common law jurisdiction in the EU. Accordingly, if parties want to ensure that the contracts are governed by a common law jurisdiction and are subject to the law of an EU member state, Irish law could be an attractive option. On that note, the 2015 Queen Mary study, which is a periodic review of trends and best practices in international arbitration, found that Ireland has many attributes of an effective and attractive seat, namely its reliable and impartial legal system with practitioners familiar with international dispute resolution, its open and sophisticated agreement environment, and the emphasis with which Irish courts have continuously emphasized the importance of finality in arbitrations. Generally, the Irish judiciary has taken a broad interpretation of arbitration agreements and will typically interpret the scope of an arbitration clause in a contract as including all disputes under the contract between commercial parties. One final interesting quirk about the Irish system is that one high court judge is designated to deal with all arbitration related disputes that need to come before the Irish court, from which there is no appeal. This makes the process cost-effective and efficient for the parties involved in an, any arbitration-related matter that they may need to have come before the Irish courts. And ultimately, all of these factors reinforce Ireland's pro-arbitration culture and mesh well with the upcoming update to the Chartered Institute's rules. We'll include a link to the updated rules in the show notes. Then, in India, the Indian Supreme Court has ordered that its arbitrator backlog is to be cleared. The Indian Supreme Court has directed the high courts under its jurisdiction to decide within six months the application to appoint arbitrators that have been pending for over a year. 
While the judgment will help reduce a large backlog, it highlights the importance of designating an arbitral institution to oversee the case and appoint the arbitrators to avoid the risk of delay in India related to commercial contracts. For some context, Sections 11.5 and 11.6 of the Indian Arbitration and Conciliation Act of 1996 provide that the court may appoint an arbitrator where, one, the parties cannot agree on the sole arbitrator, or two, where there is failure in an agreed appointment procedure. Both provisions are subject to any other agreement specifying how deadlocks will be resolved. For example, the parties can designate an arbitral institution to appoint the tribunal if the parties fail to agree. This action comes after a 2016 appellant asked the High Court of Telangana to appoint an arbitrator under Section 11.6. The High Court did not rule on the application until 2020. This case highlights the risk of relying on the Indian courts to appoint arbitrators. Whenever possible, parties should agree to arbitrate under the rules of reputable arbitral institutions, as well as overseeing procedure generally. The institutions will have rules that regulate tribunal appointments, including in default situations. If you cannot agree to institutional arbitration, make sure you include bespoke provisions in your arbitration clauses to cut through any deadlocks to ensure that the tribunal is appointed expeditiously. Finally, ending this week, here is a new segment we're trying out, and it's brought to you by one of our reporters, Elizabeth Arubales. Elizabeth has been working as a reporter for the show, and she has been producing these fantastic ADR nuggets covering various topics in international disputes. This week's focus is on something that we talked about during, actually, this week's episode, the Uncentral Model Law, and a fact that may go overlooked by many, i.e., the difference between the Uncentral Model Law and the Uncentral Arbitral Rules. The model law is a law that individual states may adopt by incorporating into their domestic laws, and it was designed to serve as a blueprint for states to integrate with their existing domestic laws. In the arbitration context, it's meant to help states reform and modernize their laws on arbitral procedure so as to take into account the particular needs of international commercial arbitration. Now, on the other hand, UNCTRAL arbitration rules are based on the selection of the parties, either as part of the contract or after a dispute arises to govern the conduct of an arbitration proceeding to be resolved between them. It can be said to provide a comprehensive set of procedural rules upon which parties may agree for the conduct of arbitral proceedings arising out of their commercial relationship and are commonly used in an ad hoc arbitration. The rules cover all aspects of the arbitral process, providing a model arbitration clause and setting out procedural rules regarding the appointment of arbitrators and the conduct of arbitral proceedings and establishing them form, effect, and interpretation of the award. Notably, UNCENTRAL is not an arbitral institution in itself, but its rules may be used in referring a matter to facilitating institutions, or the UNCENTRAL rules can be used in ad hoc arbitration as well. One final note, and it might be an obvious one, states are directed on adopting model law into their respective legal systems, and parties may use UNCENTRAL arbitration rules to resolve their disputes. Yeah, easy, right? I get it. It's especially easy when you're first delving into these topics to get these two reviews. So, Elizabeth, thank you for the ADR nugget. And if you enjoyed this one, let us know in the comments or reviews and follow Elizabeth on LinkedIn. And we'll include a link to her page on the show notes. 
That's it for this episode of Disputes Digest. The month of June is in the books, and we have some exciting and great new content headed your way for the coming months as we head into the back half of 2022. To all the members of the LGBTQ plus family, happy Pride Month. Like I said, we'll see you at the end of this week with an extra episode. In the meantime, we'll be back in your newsfeed with more news from around the international dispute resolution, legal and business worlds soon enough. If you have feedback or comments for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. Until, until next time, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.